What's up, ladies and gentlemen? The Podfather Nate here from the Journey into Comics podcast, the flagship show of the Journey into Comics network. I just want to make sure you guys know you can tune in every single Monday for a brand new episode of our show, where if it's comic book related, we've got you covered. The following, following. the following is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. To a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I'm the man of the hour. The man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. Then what you gonna do, Andre? History beckons the macho man. Yeah. The best there is. The best there was. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Two words for ya. Two words. And you're some man. The champ is here. Do I have everybody's attention now? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling, Season 3, Episode 9. I am your host, Nate. Hope everyone is doing fantastic on this lovely first Sunday in December. Man, there's a lot of wrestling to talk. The last time I was with you guys, we also had the amazing Brandon Stone on the show. Uh, live from North End Pub, had uh, you know Casey Taylor make a guest appearance. Shout out to him. Also got to have a couple indie dudes come on, Scotty Young and Brett Havoc, and have some amazing conversation with those dudes as well. Shout out to them. And Infinity Pro and Emerge Wrestling. Uh, amazing to have those guys and have those conversations. So what we were doing the last time we were on the show is we were actually live from North End Pub doing like a Survivor Series pre-show where we were just hyping wrestling, doing the show big and huge. This show is not going to be as long as last time, guys. Sorry, I'm not doing two hours and eight minutes by myself. I mean, maybe there's a place for that someday, but I don't think it's here and I don't think it's today. Uh, so anyways, when we were there, we predicted what Survivor Series was going to have happen, what was going to go down. If you're current on the WWE product, you know, as they've been shoving down our throats, that Raw won Survivor Series, 6-0. and They didn't lose a single match except for that one that they lost in the pre-show that doesn't count, by the way. So... When we did this, I thought it'd be cool to follow up on this. We don't always do this, and uh, I was trying to be a little bit better about that. Following up on the predictions, what actually happened, it's going to be kind of a good way to start our show. There's a lot of news and kind of fallout from wrestling and some stuff to go down. There's some other cards to discuss as well, an upcoming card, a return card uh, of an event that they brought back again for the second year in a row. Uh, from the WCW and uh, NWA eras. So let's get right into it, folks. On the first show or first hour of the show we did last episode, uh, it was myself, Brando, and Casey Taylor from North and Pub. And we all predicted uh, who we thought would win each match. I'm going to go through uh, person by person, say who thought who was going to win what, uh, and and say some you know interesting things and talk about the matches and whatnot. So uh, the kickoff pre-show match was Team Raw versus Team SmackDown, a five-on-five tag team elimination match. So you had Gable and Bobby Roode, the Ascension, the Lucha House Party, the Revival, and the B Team up against the Usos, New Day, Cologne, Sanity, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson. Now in the episode, I had said 
for sure there's no way that with a team that has the New Days and the Usos both that Team Raw can beat them. There's not a team on Team Raw that's as nearly as good as one of those teams, let alone two teams. Shockingly enough, the Usos, I think, are the sole survivors in this match. Uh, and SmackDown wins, as I predicted, as Brando predicted, and as well as Casey predicted. So we all scored one point in the round, first round. All right, moving on to the next. This this isn't in order of the card, by the way. This is just an order of what I wrote down in prediction mode and what we had said on the show. So I'm just following suit. Uh, sorry if it's a little jumbled. By the way, I just want to say the kickoff show was it was all right. It was it was typical elimination. Every single tag team up there, except for the champ. It was it was okay. It was just okay. Up next, we've got the WWE Cruiserweight title match. Now, this one does not affect your Raw versus SmackDown at all because it's the only non-Raw versus SmackDown match on the card. It is also the only title match on the card as it is the WWE Cruiserweight title. Uh, Buddy Murphy is the champ versus Mustafa Ali. We all said Buddy Murphy was going to easily retain. He did. It was a pretty decent high-flying match. Not, you know, not against it. It was, uh, it was all right. Uh... Good effort by those two from 205 Live. The match that, uh, man, this is where things start to really diverge and things get interesting for our predictions. Raw versus SmackDown. Five on five women's traditional elimination match. It was Nia, Tamina, Ember Moon, Natalia, and Ruby Riot taking on Naomi, Sonya Deville, Asuka, Carmella, and Mandy Rose. Not really a crazy surprise there. Really should have called that. We all predicted somebody else was going to possibly go out there to take TBD spot. It didn't end up happening that way. Uh, now, Brando and Casey both predicted that SmackDown would take the victory here to kind of uh, continue the trend of what had happened with Becky Lynch leading the raid for Monday Night Raw. I predicted it was going to be Raw that won and that Nia would be the sole survivor. Both of those things happened. Another point to me. So right now I am at three points. Brandon and Casey at two. Up next we had the men's traditional five-on-five match featuring Braun, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley taking on Shane McMahon, Jeff Hardy, The Miz, Samoa Joe, and Rey Mysterio. Uh... Brando and myself predicting Raw would win with Braun being the sole survivor. He was, well, sort of, I think. Uh, Drew McIntyre also was there at the end. Uh, Casey Taylor predicts SmackDown as the winner and did not predict, shockingly, who would be a sole survivor if we needed the tiebreaker, which we end up not needing, I don't think. But we'll get into that here in a bit. So Raw does win this match. Braun and uh, Drew McIntyre are the last dudes. Braun goes on a tear and eliminates the majority of every person. Like, uh, okay, so interesting things I want to talk about for this match. Not just covering, oh, the match happened, so what? I want to talk about how this match was booked from a uh, long-term perspective. Okay, so you've got the five-on-five. You're going to have Raw over on this match. To me, first mistake is having Samoa Joe be the first eliminated. Get the absolute fuck out of here with that. Samoa Joe, are you kidding me? Ain't happening. Not a chance. 
So that did happen, though. That's how they played it, and I think it's a foolish decision. You have Rey Mysterio, Jeff Hardy, The Miz, and Shane staying there longer. Jeff Hardy's second eliminated. Then you have Rey, The Miz, and Shane. Uh, Rey gets eliminated. You had Finn eliminated. You had Ziggler, I think, eliminated, as well as Bobby Lashley, I think is how that went, or maybe Bobby didn't get eliminated. I can't quite recall that part. Sorry on my behalf. Sometimes that... I just don't. I just don't remember things. One hundred and fifty percent. My brain's not what it used to be. Anyways, moving on. We're gonna do the tag team tie. Well, the tag teams versus the tag team champs match, where it was Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. We unanimously agreed that Team Raw would win this match. They did. Akam and Razor are the authors of pain, winning the match. Now, uh, things that come out of this was essentially an interesting storyline featuring Drake Maverick. Pissing himself, thanks to the big show. Uh, interesting angle to play the piss card. And now there's a lot of piss humor coming back. And they're starting to kind of get that. We're teasing that we're getting back to the PG-13 era. We're dipping a pinky toe. Piss is a... You wouldn't have heard that in the pure PG era. Piss is... That's a naughty word. You know, you can't say that. Um, so anyways, uh, we have... Uh, the Authors of Pain going over here, hitting their finisher on Cesaro, I do believe, for the win. Uh, moving on, we had Ronda versus Charlotte Flair. This is the one I really want to talk about. Uh, arguably could be considered match of the night, maybe. We'll get into that in a second. But uh, predicted across the board by all three of us that Ronda would win this match. She won not how any of us expected because it did not make her look strong. It did not make her look good. And goddamn, it got Charlotte over with so much heat. I can't even bear it. Again, folks, I feel it. <clears throat> We're on the cusp of the new attitude era. And that comes with Becky Lynch getting her face busted open by Nia Jackson, bleeding all over the place. Ronda Rousey getting bruised up and banged up. Ronda Rousey, and this is what we're going to talk about here. Uh, this match going back and forth with Charlotte, and it was it was beautiful. It was kind of like what you wanted to see at WrestleMania, you know, a craftsman versus a craftsman. You really see that Charlotte is uh, a, a ring general in there, really guiding Charlotte, or re Charlotte really guiding Ronda, who's still, you know, she's not 100% green, but she's still a little green in comparison to, to what Charlotte's been able to do in her tenure in the WWE. Uh, so Ronda and Charlotte are having this match, and then Charlotte just kind of says, fuck it, I'm done, and grabs a kendo stick and starts devastating Ronda. She hit her. I cring I was genuinely cringing because there were just so many brutal-looking hits with the kendo. You imagine what that does. It just leaves these horrific, gruesome welts, and you know where the stick is open leaves like a skin break where there's no dinks. You got these really gnarly looking things across your body all over. She got whacked in the head. Her fucking brain was all bleeding and shit. Like it was brutal. It was fucking brutal. And uh, Charlotte just like attacking uh, referees and everything, like really putting her over that she is the baddest bitch in professional wrestling. And to briefly mention that now before we get on, uh, on, on this first set of topics here, uh, Charlotte, she may be the greatest women's wrestler in the history of the WWE. However, um, 
you know, her dad had some stuff to say about this. And obviously, Flair, Ric Flair, legend of the game, the Nate, the Nature Boy, one of my all-time favorites. He was on Steve Austin's show, and here's a little quote. He says, talking about his daughter's career, I'm overwhelmed by it. Number one, I had no doubt that given the opportunity, which you know it all depends on how the ball bounces sometimes, she'd be good at it. But she is to the point now that she is like when she was competing in high school and college. She can't stand not being the best. Does that make sense? Stone Cold goes on to mention that it can be tough for second-generation wrestlers to succeed and kind of eclipse their parents' uh, names in history. I think uh, another great example would be Randy Orton eclipsing Cowboy Bob Orton's name and legacy. But I do believe that Charlotte's doing this as well. Um, furthering the quote from Flair saying, I think that she is starting to understand she's making her own name. She went through so much. I wish for anyone that asked me that question or what I think about your son or daughter going into this business, it's terrible for them. They made life miserable for her, and she wasn't ready for that. She was ready just to be who she is. Uh, he goes on to say, she built her own brand, and I'm not saying this because I'm proud of her, but I'm saying it because, number one, she's that good. Number two, she's made herself unique, which I wish I could tell you I was the athlete at any time of my life that she is. I wasn't, and very few people are. She's got a gift, and she's found her niche. I mean, right now she's driving to some town, and she's thinking about her match tonight, and sometimes I wish she would take it easy and relax. She's definitely out of my shadow and doing her own thing, and I think that everybody recognizes that. I mean, to say that I was a great wrestler, you know, I was a three-way gimmick. Could I work? Yeah, but I didn't have to do, I don't know, I, that I could do a moonsault. But now, you'll go to a show, there'll three people doing moonsaults in the same show. But that's the business. Who am I to say anything? Flair went on to discuss the evolution of women's wrestling, saying in the time I started, they were just an attraction. What became public now, they were whooped by moolah. Then the girls were being underpaid and being treated horribly. It was not a good deal. And of course, nobody said anything back then because you didn't get involved. They did their thing. But whatever we were doing it, uh, but whatever we were doing, it was twice as hard on them because they weren't being paid anywhere near what they were worth. Man, uh, and, and just to quote on this myself, on my own angle, talking about Charlotte Flair, I do think she has uh, far surpassed her father's shadow. I think she has made a brilliant name for herself. Multiple-time champions on cross-both shows. Uh, really at the forefront when you think years from now, you know, it's, it's funny because right now there's a lot of great talent across the board, men and women in the WWE. But when you think about this era we're currently in, it's really going to be the women's evolution era. Like, it is going to be the evolution of women's wrestling taken to the next level and really shown off. And I think that Charlotte is the the bullhorned leader at the top of that. So, again, all three of us score a point. Ronda winning this match via disqualification. Charlotte brutally attacking her and wrecking her with that uh, kendo stick. Uh we had the Intercontinental Champ Seth Rollins take on Shinsuke Nakamura. And you know what's weird? This is the one that I was super wrong about, and I should have just went with my gut. When we were on the show, I was telling myself, like, Seth is going to easily win this match. It just makes sense for him to win this match. Uh, but whatever, my heart said Shinsuke should win this match because then it'll give him some more uh, push, and it'll help him to be more over with everybody. We're going to quickly pause before we continue talking about the Shinsuke Nakamura-Seth Rollins match. I'm going to take a quick drink break here. Once again, folks, brought to you 
right here, right now. But poor entertainment, check it out this coming Tuesday after you check out Journey into Comics tomorrow with me, Nate. I don't know what I'm going to be talking about yet, but I cannot wait to do that episode and discuss all the cool comic book shit and the weird stuff that's been going on. I got some fun stuff planned for that episode. Anyways, let me take this drink real quick. All right. So back to it. Seth Rollins, Shinsuke Nakamura. We all three said Shinsuke over. Easy. Makes sense. He's the guy that needs to get the push to get the rub to be a little bit more over. It makes the U.S. title just that much more prestigious. But, of course, there's a bigger narrative at play that I should have just... I should have recognized that I was writing the one thing every single time. I had not written SD at this point until just now. Um, but we were all wrong. Seth Rollins wins this match, and uh, it wasn't as good as it could have been, actually. It was kind of middle of the road. Like This match was just okay for me. It wasn't ultra-memorable. There weren't a whole lot of like crazy spots. The pacing was, to me, a little off, maybe just a little slow. I feel like maybe Shinsuke just didn't, didn't click with Seth on this night. Or maybe Seth didn't click with Shinsuke on this night. I'm not sure which came first, the chicken or the egg. But uh, that might be the episode title. But anyways, uh, final match of the night. And this was actually the final match of the night. was Universal Champ Brock Lesnar versus now WWE Champ Daniel Bryan. And yes, you heard that correct. He did defeat AJ Styles right before we got to Survivor Series to win that title, and it was a crazy, shocking moment as we went into Survivor Series. You guys heard it last week. We were talking about it. Uh, this match, again, it said, it to just to me, it made nothing, no, no, there's no sense in this having Daniel Bryan win because it only hurts Brock Lesnar, and Daniel Bryan losing actually doesn't hurt Daniel Bryan because, and as we talked about this on the show, He's going to go back into a program with AJ Styles. Those two are going to be able to go and do phenomenal things for what they've... I mean, they've already been doing phenomenal things, but they're going to continue that story, continue that uh, evolution of AJ's now the babyface chasing the title. Daniel Bryan is this, like, reinvented heel who's more like uh, anything for my fucking dreams is kind of his thing. Like Daniel Dreamer, you know? But anything for Dandy Dreamer, you know? Anything for my fucking dreams. And uh, that includes cheating sometimes. Cheat to win. You got to do what you got to do. You you want to be champ, and that's the most important thing. And time is short, and time is precious, so why fuck around? You just got to do what you got to do, right? And that's kind of the new Daniel Bryan. The yes movement is obviously dead. Uh, he takes a licking in this match, comes back, and almost wins. It was beautifully told. I thought it was great. Uh, he runs from Brock early. Brock finally gets his hands on him, and it's kind of like a, oh, shit, he just tosses Daniel Bryan around the ring like it's nothing. DB has this beautiful come from behind because it's like he's been reinvigorated. And he almost beats Lesnar, but Lesnar ends up hitting with the F5, finishes the match, and that's it. Okay, so that's kind of the same thing. It's With Lesnar, the match has been the same every match he's been in. Whoever he's working with, it's been good. I'm not complaining. But the finish is the same. He hits one F5 or two F5s or however many it takes, and then it's over. And uh, I don't know. I'm not really, I'm not really super down with, you know, with all that per se. Uh, so 
my full blown take on Survivor Series was it was about a three and a half, and uh, it wasn't terrible. Honestly, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, it didn't do what I needed it to do for me personally. Uh, having Raw sweep the board minus the not counting pre-show victory from SmackDown and then touting it the whole time was a little bit bizarre. Like, really, you expect us to forget? And then Xavier Woods just plays no bullshit, and he's like, motherfuckers, I'm not letting you forget. It was 6-1. and one. SmackDown won that first match. And even though the New Day were one of the teams eliminated, SmackDown still won the match. So, uh, ultimate takeaway from this is this. Okay, so moving forward, you got you know Daniel Bryan's going to be taking on AJ Styles, and we're going to be getting to that in a little bit when we talk about TLC. Uh, you know, Seth Rollins is going to be reigniting his feud with uh, Dean Ambrose. We'll talk about that soon. Ronda moves on with Nia Jax, and that feud, Charlotte. Uh, and, and Becky are going to reunite their feud, kind of. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of different things that spur out of this. Braun Strowman has an injury that we've got to talk about. Uh, Drew McIntyre's push, what's going to happen there? I've also got some more Seth Rollins news. There's a lot of stuff to get into today, guys. We're going to kind of go all over the place here as we get right down into it. I am going to let you know that there's a couple things we will close out with, uh, which will be some just uh, looking ahead to what's to come. Uh, here. So James Ellsworth, I don't know if you guys have heard this or not, but he was accused of, um, well, uh, he was accused of sending lewd pictures to a 16-year-old lady on Snapchat. She had made a statement online and broke all this stuff down. And like, it seemed kind of like maybe she might be a credible person and, and is saying some reliable truths. And then there's some there's some you know counter to this. So James Ellsworth uh, responding to this lady saying that he sent her lewd messages and pictures of himself and his genitals and whatnot, saying recently allegations of misconduct have been lodged against me, which I categorically deny. I never have, nor will I ever engage in any activity that could be deemed as inappropriate or disrespectful. My delay in publicly commenting on this situation was based on the advice of my legal team, which has just completed a thorough investigation. My attorneys have pinpointed a trusted witness who is willing to testify on my behalf. In addition, they have uncovered concrete evidence that supports my innocence and proves that without a shadow of a doubt the social media accounts alleged to be mine are fake and the messages from the account were fraudulently created without my knowledge or consent. My only hope is to restore my reputation as I, along with my family, friends, and supporters have suffered because of the social media stunt devised to end my professional wrestling career. My team and I are prepared to pursue legal action against any party that persists with the promotion of these lies. Uh, the gal that did this has since deleted all the tweets, but responded to Ellsworth's denial. And she says this. She says, Mr. Ellsworth made a statement. Everyone is sending me. I seen it. Y'all got to think, if a minor allegedly accused you of sending nudes, wouldn't you do everything to save your ass too? People act like he is going to come out and admit it all. I know the truth. 
All the stories I've heard about him disgust me. People who worked with him and know him have told me he's done hardcore drugs before also. His own best friend has even admitted over a phone call to a girl who has known who has known Jimmy since 2012 that Jimmy has been unspeakable things all his life. Has been unspeakable things all his life. That's weird phrasing. I'm just reading this verbatim. In all the screenshots, girls, people who have worked with him, promoters, wrestlers, etc., the reason I blurred out their names out of respect. I don't need tons of people hitting them up also. It's funny because the account he had me from, tons of girls also sent me the exact same snaps and said that he gave them the exact Snapchat to them. I've heard that Snapchat is the one he uses to just add girls. Also, people saying, well, his face wasn't in any of the explicit photos. Let me know when you find a guy who shows his face when he's taking pictures of his junk. People say, oh, why'd she give a grown man on Snapchat? You guys are telling me that if a wrestler you liked, you were a fan of, wouldn't you wouldn't do that too. I have plenty of wrestlers on my Snapchat, Naya, Mojo, Shinsuke, more. Someone who I was a fan of, met twice, bought his shirt, cheered him at matches, supported his wrestling career. Why would I want to ruin his career in life? He has kids also. I wouldn't destroy someone's family just for the hell of it. If I were to fake a pedo, I would, wouldn't it be someone, it wouldn't be someone lo, as low profile as Ellsworth. There's going to be people siding with him when things like this happen. Not everyone is going to be on one side. Going to social media first about this is the biggest mistake I made, and I understand that. I regret doing that, but everything is a learning lesson. Uh, and then, of course, he had made his thing. It's just, oh, man. Dang, it's crazy. I, you know, it's weird. I don't know what to think about this. Is it possible? And, you know, I feel like I've, I said this when other allegations happened against other people in, you know, co- the comic book world and whatnot. Is it possible that James Ellsworth did this? Yeah. I think it's plausible that he did it, actually. Uh, he's an indie wrestler, guys, and he's, you know, kind of just on his own journey. We can't hold him to some high standard that he's some ultra-altruistic human who has uh, a great moral compass. Obviously, he is a dude who does travel a lot. He's on the road a lot as a professional athlete. He is away from his family a lot. He does interact with a lot of females, which are very tempting on a day-to-day basis in the professional wrestling world. I'm sure of it. And, you know, maybe sometimes you think you can make advances to certain ones because you think uh, one reason or another that they are someone you can target, and it's fucked up. Do I think he did it? Absolutely. Do I think he did it? I, I, I absolutely don't know. I absolutely am not sure. I absolutely cannot tell you. But there's no absolute to this story, and there's no end to it. You know, there's absolutely no chance that he walks away from this unscathed either. Even if he is completely innocent of this, it still sets this weird thing back on him, and there's going to be a weird stigma now. People are going to be asking questions. People avoid him. It's awkward now. This guy who's already a kind of an outcast indie guy who got a really weird random opportunity in the big leagues and beat AJ Styles a bunch of times and has this like really funny storied thing, like that could totally derail his career. And then if this is true, let him fucking burn, you know? But I can't be absolutely sure. So do I think he did it? I'm not absolutely positive. Uh, it's it's all plausible. Uh, 
Let's get back into it. Some other wrestling news here as we were, you know, we were talking about it earlier. We were talking about Charlotte and what she's been doing, her meteoric rise. You know, you couldn't have told me last year that when Ronda Rousey officially started getting into the wrestling thing that she was going to just skyrocket and not only skyrocket, but be so good across the board at this whole game she's very good at what she does so there's an interesting thing that happened i don't know if we've actually covered it on our show but smackdown is going to be moving to fox sports in 2019 that means that there's a possibility and i want to leave that as a loose possibility that ronda rousey could move to smackdown in 2019 as kind of a new leader of the blue brand. And then that would make things very crowded. You'd have Charlotte, you'd have Becky, and then you'd have Ronda Rousey. And of course, those three would make great television together, but that's kind of crowding your women's division to one side. I feel like we're almost at a tipping point here, folks, and this is something I want to bring up out of this thing. I feel like the women's pro wrestling division within the WWE almost needs its own brand like WWE, EVO for Evolution, EVO, and then have that be all women's wrestling and make amazing matches. And then you can really flesh your stories out and give these ladies the time and give them an opportunity. And sure, it can be a one-hour show before Raw or a two-hour show before Raw. Or hell, do a one-hour show before Raw, a one-hour show before SmackDown that's all of them that you put into a two-hour program that you run exclusively on the fucking network. People are in. People are buying in because of who's on that. And, oh, it's like, well, you don't you don't want to limit them. You could have them do regular matches on Raw and SmackDown, too. You could have them weave in and out, do almost 205 Live-style things as well. You know, but I think that Ronda moving to SmackDown is interesting. I don't know how you do it. Will you take the Raw title off her? Would you force it? Would you be like some sort of... A blockbuster deal random shakeup where Ronda and Becky switch sides. So they technically have to switch titles. But they neither of them were beat. And it's like, well, look, they, I mean, they had the same value, essentially, because they were introduced at the same time. They One represents Raw, one represents SmackDown. You're the best of your fucking brand. So you're just switching your color, essentially, red to blue, blue to red. And... I just, I don't know, I don't know how they would do this, I guess, but they want to do that, it's possible for them to do that, will the brand split continue into 2019, who knows, I'm not sure, we've got some more Ronda Rousey news here, I want to make sure I find it before I say that, and of course I fucking open them out too fast, because I'm gonna lose it, okay, so here's some interesting stuff, Ronda Rousey appeared on Monday Night Raw to confront Nia Jax this week, ahead of the TLC pay-per-view, um, but a lot of fans were kind of more paying attention to Rhonda's red eyes that looked bloodshot and her jawline looked uh, kind of green like she had been bruised. Um, so one Twitter fan wrote, Dear Rhonda Rousey, please fire your makeup artist. Thought your eyes were bleeding at first. Thank you. Why does Rhonda wear the weirdest looking makeup? Another wrote. All comments on her abilities in the ring or on the mic aside, who the hell does Ronda Rousey's makeup? Another fan asked. She's freaking green, people, and unless you want to look like a zombie, you never wear a red eyeliner. Whoever keeps doing Ronda Rousey's eye makeup needs to be fired immediately. One fan even said the green marks on Ronda's face weren't for makeup. They were bruises. 
those are bruises from the kendo stick. So they point out that, that they're bruises from the kendo stick back to what we had happen at the Survivor Series. And man, it, it definitely uh, it definitely shows that she had some bruises that they had to cover up. Uh, poor Ronda Rousey. But she's tough as fucking nails, y'all. You gotta, you have to give her some props. Uh, now, Charlotte Flair posted a photo uh, on... Twitter from Survivor Series, and I forgot to mention that during Survivor Series, she put uh, Char- uh, Charlotte put Rhonda's head uh, in between a chair and then stomped it and like you know crushed her throat or whatever. And Charlotte posted the photo and then put a little asterisk and says missing from photo at uh, Queen of Spades, Charlotte Baszler, Jasmine Duke, and Marina Shafir, which is the other three horsewomen. So, Shafir was quick to respond, posting, This bitch, okay, okay, missing entirely from photo, Charlotte's flair ability to beat Ronda Rousey without multiple weapons. Elsewhere, Lynch continued her social media feud with Rousey. The two originally booked for a champion versus champion match at Survivor Series, but Lynch had to be pulled from the event with a concussion and a broken facial bone. I've never seen a judo master get so easily thrown, Ronnie. Lynch tweeted on Sunday, I'm convinced you let one of your turkeys at the ranch peck these replies out. Which one of them wrote this one? Sonya. Mentioning the NXT Women Champion promoted a... Oh, 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 Shayna. Shayna. Sonya. She said, which one of them wrote this one? Shayna. Mentioning the NXT Women Champion promoted a response from Baszler. Shayna Baszler says, Don't try to name drop me in this attention grab. I'm too busy holding down the division. You couldn't. Shayna two-time. Hashtag. And the man, Becky Lynch, you know, had tweeted before that. So, uh, Lynch, who has made a sport out of blasting people on Twitter, was quick to retort, saying, The only thing that bonds you, Ronnie, and I want to say Mary and Jessica is you all ran from another sport that beat you. So make no mistake, if I choose to drop anything, it will be you, not your name. By the way, give me your best. Give my best to your leader and her hurting mouth. I'm stronger every day, is she? Baszler wrote back, I never ran. I got sick of seeing you river dance and decided to come change pro wrestling. You don't learn to drop people by being dropped, homie. Besides... You got bigger sharks to worry about. I don't care about you. Move along. Dang, I mean, four horsewomen feud going on. I love it. It's uh, interesting in professional wrestling. It gets fun when shit like this goes down, you know? Uh, also, Becky getting uh, getting a little bit under the skin of Ronda also tweeting a video of the crowd chanting Becky's name during an appearance from Ronda Rousey and Becky saying, Hey, Ronnie, does this give you meanest envy? Meanest. <laughs> that is funny. I said meanest. Meanest envy. That's the episode title, folks. See, that's how sometimes shit goes happening. Meanest okay that's cool okay anyways so uh let's move on here we've got some more wwe stuff i already told you guys that uh xavier's pretty pissed off that they keep saying that he uh that ross swept smackdown at survivor series it didn't happen uh you know obviously xavier (laughs) 
just really going hard at at the WWE and just calling them out. But anyways, we got. Uh, I'm gonna look. I just got a bunch of news articles now po- posted up, folks. So I'm trying to decide where I want to go now. Oh man, uh, I'm gonna keep going on to some WWE shit, and then we'll get done with. Okay, so some. Um, I was talking about Becky Lynch and Charlotte. They're having a match uh, at TLC, which we're going to get into in a little bit. But Asuka has joined them in that match, uh, winning a match, uh, which was the, uh, what do you call it? They did another battle royal to determine who was going to go into the match, and it ended up being Asuka. So that's pretty cool. We've got AJ Styles throwing shade at Lesnar, talking about how he night in and night out and defended the title. Uh, interesting that Kyrie Sane has hand, foot, and mouth disease. She says, the fever has gone down, but now my hands, feet, and mouth have a mysterious eczema. Uh, ouch, you go to the hospital with it. Even if the United States hand, foot, and mouth disease, it's disease the infants under five-year-olds have been examined. Why did this virus enter my body by mistake? So she got this like weird hand, foot, and mouth disease. A lot of toddlers do get it. Uh, so that sucks for Kyrie Sane, the former NXT Women's Champion. Hopefully she recovers soon and gets back in there and hopefully wins that title. And if not, hopefully she gets called up soon because I'm ready to see her on the main roster. Kyrie Sane's dope. What do we want to go to now? Uh... Let's talk about how people are just making fun of uh, Bobby Lashley. Uh, Essentially saying that he looked into some stuff on 4chan to come up with the term beta male, which is something he's been throwing around. I don't really like Bobby Lashley. I don't really want to cover him. I'm done talking about Bobby Lashley. Fuck you, Lashley. Get out of my fucking life, you dick. That's what I want to say. Let's talk about... You know what? Let's talk about this. Because Seth Rollins... Uh, you know, WWE had reportedly had plans for Elias to win the Intercontinental title a few weeks back. Elias is currently receiving a babyface push on Raw with a slow build. But it sounds like WWE was really about to push him through the red brand roof. Uh, he was set to win the title from Seth Rollins when they turned Dean Ambrose heel last month. There's no yet word on why the title change was next. Now Elias is feuding with Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, and General Elect, uh, General Manager Elect Baron Corbin. Rollins will defend his title against Ambrose at TLC. We talked about that, but it's rumored that the push for Elias will continue into the WrestleMania 35 season. Uh, so interesting. I would love to see Elias win the title. Modern day honky tonk man. He is a phenomenal athlete. I think he does a great job getting over. He does a great job of getting people into the product and uh, is really a bit simple. If you're great, you can be simple and people will love it. And all he has to say is, what does WWE stand for? Walk with Elias. What does WWE stand for? Walk with Elias. And people are fucking freaking the fuck out. So it's great. You know? Uh, I love uh, Elias as a professional wrestler and excited to see what they what they do with him upcoming next. Uh, I think that he does have a long-term 
stay in the WWE uh, as long as he keeps himself clean and doesn't do anything stupid to get himself in trouble. I think he has a long-tenured career as the modern-day honky-tonk man. Roman Reigns, you guys know that we obviously been talking about him. He has been absent since he made the announcement that he has leukemia again, so he's been kind of, you know, with his family and recovering and getting his shit right. And uh, he just uh, appeared on a Georgia Tech football tweet that where he just said, "I'm the real big dog here to hell with Georgia, baby." However, uh, Georgia Tech lost that game to Georgia, forty-five to twenty-one, and uh, it was good. It's good to see Roman out, like just kind of living life and getting to enjoy it, and not being on the road and not on the grind. You know, to be to be a dude that's doing it night in and night out, and then have the uh, the leukemia thing come back is just like fuck. You want to just kind of like spend time living because you don't know. You know, it's like sure you. You want to get healthy and get right, but you don't know what's coming. So you got to fucking, you fucking cherish everything and go see football games and shit. So it's cool to see him out there, man. Uh, let's jump over. Okay, that can actually go with this. That can go with that. We're going to just kind of shift some stuff here. I'm just trying to kind of like adjust my fucking little whatchamacallits here. So we got a couple of upcoming cards to discuss. Some things happen. Braun Strowman's injured. He had a surgery. He's okay, though. Uh, he under he underwent a successful elbow surgery at Andrews Sports Medicine in Birmingham, Alabama. They didn't. We didn't. There were no additional details. But Baron Corbin versus Strowman is still on for the pay per view uh, at TLC December sixteenth. Uh, however, it seems Strowman might not be cleared in time for that match, so we're unsure. It also seems that uh, Strowman will be challenging Lesnar for the Universal Championship at the Royal Rumble on January 27th. Interesting. Hopefully he fucking wins it. That would be huge. Uh, if not that, maybe he finds his way into the Rumble and then wins that too and then still gets the title opportunity. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Uh I will say Jeff Hardy is going to have a feud with Samoa Joe. That's going to be fantastic. Samoa Joe, though, man, he comes out during the 20th anniversary celebration of Jeff Hardy um, on this past week's SmackDown, and he just, like, dug in, man, and started talking about, like, his addiction and shit, like, made it super real. It was, I was like, oh, my God, is he going to bring up the TNA thing with Sting? Like, is that coming? Is he going to drop that bombshell also? He did not. Spoiler alert, he did not. But it was just uh, it was just interesting to see how far Samoa Joe was allowed to push it, you know? Uh, that's going to go there as well. Again, still moving some things around. Those two things correlate. Um, this can go there because that's going to kind of correlate. Uh, one thing I do want to mention back when we were talking about AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, who are going to have a match at TLC, uh, AJ Styles dropped his WWE championship to DB. It seems like that's because of the contract negotiations going on between AJ and WWE, essentially coming down to the fact AJ said he only had a couple years when he came back or when he came into the WWE, he said he only had a couple years. He wanted to do this full time. He wanted to do a lighter schedule, and now it's time for him to think about doing a lighter schedule. And guess what? As the champ, you can't have a lighter schedule. They gave him a very, very respectable 300-plus day title reign, 
And, uh, you know, he's 41 now, man. He can't do it like he was doing it. And he's still at the top of his game. I mean, I don't, it's, it's crazy to me because AJ Styles is just such a fixture. And it was weird because, and I'm going to jump kind of around to this. Uh, it was weird seeing him at Starcade, which they had one hour of Starcade on the network. Uh, it was weird seeing him come out with no title. I like kind of got confused. I was like, oh, he left the belt because like it's a cage match. He didn't need to bring the belt out. And then they were talking about how it's how odd is it to see AJ Styles without the title? I was like, oh shit, he fucking lost. I totally forgot that he lost. That actually did happen. So uh, there were matches and things that happened. And uh, there were several dark matches that happened and stuff. And uh, only a few of the regular matches were shown on TV. We saw Bailey, Ember Moon, Sasha Banks, and Dana Brooke taking on Alicia Fox, Mickey James, Nia, and Tamina. Uh, of course, uh, Bailey, Ember, Sasha, and Dana won this match by submission. Uh, the first dark match was Drew McIntyre with Dolph Ziggler defeating Finn Balor. Uh, another dark match was the B team defeating the Revival. Fuck the Revival. The Bar uh, defeating The New Day with Xavier Woods on the sidelines because Kofi and Big E were in the main match. A returning Bray Wyatt defeats Baron Corbin in a singles match who offered an open challenge. And then he said, no, no, the match was supposed to be in this notice qualification. I forgot to say. So we go again. Bray Wyatt beats him again, wins the match again. Bray Wyatt back unequivocally. Excited to see what he is going to be doing. We have Charlotte Flair taking on Asuka in another dark match uh, where Charlotte Flair defeats Asuka. I'm sure it was a barn burner. Rey Mysterio takes on Shinsuke Nakamura, a uh, singles match for the United States Championship. Rey Rey wins by DQ as The Miz uh, helps Shinsuke and the ref saw him and throws the match out. Rey and Rusev take on Shinsuke and The Miz in a tag team bout that sees them beat Shinsuke and The Miz. Um, we had AJ defeat Samoa Joe by submission in a steel cage match. And then a match that we did not see. It was a dark match was Seth Rollins, uh, defending his intercontinental championship against Dean Ambrose in a steel cage match. Of course, not showing that match because they didn't want to give away what they're going to do at TLC and you want to give them something special. I think it's okay. Here's some interesting takeaways from Starcade. First of all, when I watched it. Interesting because it definitely has the live WWE feel and experience. The production was down. Into it, actually, kind of fucking dug it quite a bit. It was it was sincere. The camera angles were a little bit different. They almost had more of a, a New Japan vibe to how things were shot and stylized and stuff. Maybe that had something to do with the lights, and I'm not sure. Uh, it was a lot of like short burst stories that they put on the TV, though. Which to me is kind of like, okay, it's okay, I get it. You only have so much time. You're only giving us an hour of this thing, but like maybe you should put some great matches together and just let this whole thing breathe. And you know, it is what it is. It's a fun little event. Uh, Starcade 2018 happened, and we got to move forward from it, looking into what's coming up here soon. Let's take another little quick drink break. Oh, man. All right. 
So I've got a couple WWE things left here. And then we got some independent wrestling things and some hardcore wrestling things. And it's all correlated. So some WWE superstars were robbed at the SmackDown Live taping that happened this past week in Minneapolis. Lindsay Dorado, um, Cedric Alexander were both robbed. Uh, their car broken into. Lindsay Dorado tweeting, thank you, Minneapolis, for getting robbed. Extreme. P.S. Still love you. Um, and apparently Cedric Alexander wrote that he ended up getting glass stuck to his butt on the way to the airport because of this attack. This is not the first time that's happened to WWE wrestlers. They're actually kind of subject to a lot of this with as much as they travel. Uh, last June or back in June, Rusev, Lon, and Paige had all accused the Sheraton Hotel in Memphis of stealing things from their rooms. Uh, let's see, Rusev wrote after the incident saying, thank you to Sheraton Hotels Memphis for cleaning the room and stealing my wife's camera and money from my wallet. And Paige added, if you're ever in the Memphis area, don't stay at the Sheraton Memphis. It's literally the worst thing stolen. Bad customer service. And room service takes two hours just for a salad, and we are the inconvenience. Ugh, the worst. Man, that would be hardcore to be on the road and to have some shit like that happen. Because more than anything, it's just an inconvenience. Hopefully it's nothing like nothing super personal of theirs was taken. And it was just like, oh, it was fucking... A, 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 so, okay, so so they took some money. Hopefully there were no pictures on that camera that were valuable or something that you didn't want anybody to see that they can, like, leak and do shit with or whatever. Uh, so, like, to me, uh, with WWE wrestlers having money and stuff like they do, and you know they do, they have to make... I mean, they have to be making money. They make royalty checks every month on the sales of their merchandise. They make a cut of salary for their work and then every house show they work and all the different things they do and all the different appearances they make and signings and stuff. They make money. They make lots of money. So when they have stuff stolen from them, it's more of an inconvenience than like, oh, my God, it's so sad because they don't have money. And the only money they had was taken, like when some people get robbed or have their bank card stolen. Uh, Triple H announcing the NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool event happening this January. So the NXT UK brand officially has a TakeOver show on the calendar. Months after the brand's television was officially launched on the WWE Network, Triple H has announced the first TakeOver for the United Kingdom branch of NXT. TakeOver Blackpool will happen January 12th and will air live on the WWE Network. NXT UK will also be holding a television taping in the same venue the next day, Monday, January 13th. Tickets for both events go on sale tomorrow. The Triple H saying, two years ago today I told you we were coming to the UK to help you build your empire. Well, you have done it because here we stand today. NXT UK is one of the hottest brands on the planet because of you. You have made this a success across the board. The reaction to it has been off the charts. Talents from around the world are begging to come into NXT UK because it is the hottest thing the industry has ever seen. Damn, strong words, Triple H, strong motherfucking words. Uh, the NXT brand pay-per-view is currently headlined by Pete Dunne, the reigning UK champ. Uh Done being a part of the War Games 2 match that happened alongside of the Ricochet and the War Raiders against the Undisputed Era in War Games. Here's a interesting report. Uh, so interesting to talk about the WWE uh, and NXT UK because a report coming out says that when WWE launched NXT UK December 2016, 
it was seen as a way for top British talent to showcase their abilities on WWE's platforms, while also having the ability to work other promotions. But after just two years, WWE has decided to reverse course and will now put restrictions on NXT UK talent from working for other promotions. This news comes courtesy of WrestleTalk, which reports that several members of NXT UK will be giving new contracts in the coming weeks with these restrictions in place while the superstars will be given raises their meandering on the indie scene will cease come 2019 previously the nxt uk superstars were only restricted from other promotions with distribution deals but now they will be barred from all other promotions the only exceptions are those companies that wwe had partnered with including progress icw and wxw germany the WWE exclusivity seems to come from a disappointing numbers at recent U- NXT UK house shows. If fans can pay $10 to watch these stars at local shows, they will be unlikely to cough up more money to see the same superstar on a WWE show. Super true. Russell Talk also reports that these new tr- contracts aren't being handed out to everyone, so the new restrictions will not apply to everyone. Even so, those who are not barred from other promotions are still prohibited from wrestling anyone from ROH, Impact, New Japan, or any other major promotion. With these new contracts and new restrictions set to go in place at the start of 2019, superstars will still be able to finish their advertised bookings through the end of 2018. However, talent will only be able to work shows with a licensed paramedic on hand as a couple of members of the roster recently showed up to the NXT UK Performance Center with injuries that WWE was unaware of. This is a big change from when the WWE first established NXT UK as they said they wouldn't scoop up all the top talent in the UK, leaving little else for anyone else. It remains to be seen how this impacts the UK indies. Hmm, interesting. Uh... I need to catch up and watch a bunch of the NXT UK because I, I have heard it's really, really, really good. And I haven't been watching it like a fucking idiot. And I have a podcast about this shit. And I don't watch everything. I try, guys. There's just so much wrestling. Like I, like, I watched a little bit of, like, the other night I watched a little bit of New Japan's Tag Division. And it was, like, Evil and Sonata versus some no-name team. You know, it was just, like, there's so much. I just start watching it. Sometimes I fade. You know, I'm, I'm exhausted for my day when I put this wrestling on, so sometimes it's hardcore. Um, let's We've got a couple more wrestling things here. Let's talk about TLC real quick in the WWE world as we've got a couple matches that have been announced. Intercontinental champ Seth Rollins defending his title versus Dean Ambrose. Uh, we've got WWE champ Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin in a TLC match uh, where if Braun wins, he gets a universal title match versus Lesnar. If Baron wins, he becomes the general, the permanent acting GM of Raw. Raw women's champ Ronda Rousey defending against Nia Jax. And as we said earlier, SmackDown women's champ Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair and Asuka. I would fucking love if Becky Lynch came out during Ronda's match and fucked with her and cost Ronda the match. And that's how you get Ronda over to SmackDown. And it's an unclean thing and it hurts her a little bit to lose that match. But boy, does it set some fuel to the fire to know that Ronda Rousey is motherfucking coming to SmackDown in a blockbuster trade for Charlotte Flair and Asuka who have to go to Raw. That's the move I make. And then that puts Asuka in position to be your top chick over on Raw at some point because I think she does deserve that. I can't believe they still robbed her of that. She's the first chick to ever win the Royal Rumble for the all-female Royal Rumble, and then doesn't win her match for the title 
Neither does Shinsuke, and they're both Asian people. Come on now, Vince. Get with the times, mother brother. Get with the times, mother brother. You got meanness envy. Brock Lesnar looking like, if things go the way they're going to be, that uh, he's going to be on a crash course with someone else at WrestleMania 35. Uncertain if Lesnar will be champ at this time, but it will be a very interesting, very poignant, story-driven feud that gets built here for Lesnar where it's Brock Lesnar possibly versus Seth Rollins. Um, And that's interesting to note because Seth there... Obviously, stealing the title at WrestleMania 31 from Lesnar and Reigns, cashing in his money in the bank, rocking out a curb stomp for a victory. Uh, and man, uh, to have those two in a match, it'll be great. I feel like Lesnar's just kind of doing like the greatest hits right now. He's wanting to go and have awesome matches with anybody he can because he knows time is limited and he's not going to be in the business forever. And you know, truth be told. Lesnar didn't have, like, a lot of amazing, amazing, amazing. And I say, I mean, he had some. But in his first part of his WWE career, he did not have a ton of amazing, amazing, well-put-together, well-balanced, interesting, story-driven matches. They were a lot of squash matches and all, not a lot of substance there. You know, it seems like there's a lot of stake, not a lot of substance. So interesting to see Lesnar and uh, what happens with him and Rollins. And maybe it would be that Rollins is the guy that beats Lesnar for the Universal title. And how fucking full story would that be with Roman Reigns in the front, you know, uh, in in the front row watching his buddy win the title. And, the you know, like Reigns had to give it up, didn't even lose it, had to give it up because of leukemia. So it's like. I mean, it does write itself, and there is some beautifulness to it. You could even have Reigns get involved and, you know, hit his patented spear on Lesnar when the ref is knocked down or something, and they go sit back in the seats or some shit. You know, there are lots of different things that could happen. Uh, So looking forward to the possibilities there. Now, we've got some indie news here. Mixed with some WWE news, we're going to start with... Cody Rhodes making a pretty interesting claim saying that there's announcement coming in January and it will be bigger than anyone expects. The year is coming to a close and 2019 promises to be a big year for pro wrestling. WWE is looking to sign all top independent talent as they look to expand the NXT brand to several countries and Ring of Honor is preparing to run their biggest show in company history at Madison Square Garden in a joint effort with New Japan Pro Wrestling. The biggest story of the year could be about all elite wrestling. At this point, the only thing we know is the trademarks have been filed and Jacksonville Jaguars owner Tony Khan is ready to fund the company if they can get a TV deal. Cody Rhodes touched on the rumors over the weekend during a meet-and-greet in Melbourne, Australia. In the latest Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer also noted that Rose... Uh, Rhodes said that fans need to wait until January for a big announcement, and the announcement would be bigger than anyone expects. Rose never mentioned the new promotion, but the assumption is that he was talking about all elite wrestling. If everyone in the elite sticks together and Chris Jericho jumps on board, then this could turn into one of the biggest wrestling stories in many years, and you can bet that WWE will not be happy about it, and I will be stoked. Here's some counter to... uh, Talking about WWE not being happy about it. Here's somebody who's a former WWE champion, Bradshaw Layfield, talking about Cody Rhodes on Twitter. JBL tweeting this, uh, or tweeting about Cody several times uh, on Wednesday the 29th, tagging the son of Dusty every time. So Layfield saying, okay, not wanting a comeback, but I could beat Cody Rhodes any day in any match. 
uh, just like I could have beaten his daddy. It's simple math. Now back to my Dallas Cowboys. I'd kill Cody Rhodes, please. Uh, seriously, Cody Rhodes is a tool, not in my league. I'm retired. And JBL kind of goats the wrong person because, uh, let's see here. So JBL just kind of went on this crazy rant. Uh, JBL did not stop there as he then reminded Cody that the American Dream would not be there to lend an assistance. This tweet in particular likely surprised fans more than any of the rest, as it seemed to be truly insensitive, personally directed at Cody. Layfield says, hey, at, Co- at Cody Rhodes, hey, dumbass, your dad can't save you, dipshit. Cody Rhodes finally responded on Twitter, but the former NWA champion did not take any cheap shots of his own. Instead, he decided to have some fun with the situation. I'm thinking JBL had a few drinks tonight. JBL continues to rant on Cody Rhodes. There apparently have been no provocation for the attack, and no one seems to know why Layfield is going after Cody in this fashion. Could it be that JBL's Twitter has been hacked? Is it possible that Layfield himself is actually responsible for the attacks on Cody? J- JBL's last match was at WrestleMania 25 and 09. He lost the IC title to Ray that night. He's only appeared in non-television roles in WWE since, and he's uh, uh, very occasionally got uh, physical in the ring. <clears throat> Speaking on somebody who could possibly shake some shit up because this all elite wrestling rumor, if it were to happen, all elite wrestling uh, could be huge, but they they could really pick up a gigantic, ridiculous acquisition that could be game changing in the name of CM Punk. Punk saying in an interview, if all those guys go and start their own thing, more power to them. Let me bring it full circle again. I'm not actively pursuing really much of anything. I'm just kind of floating, and it's a nice thing to be able to do, just kind of float and hang out. And if somebody wants to pick up the phone like CFC promoter Dave Scholler did and call me up and say, hey, we really think you'd be good at this and we want you to be a part of your company, then they can call me up and make an offer. That has remained to be seen. Pro wrestling is not on my radar. He adds, I would always listen to an offer. I would listen to them because, I, uh, just like Dave, I like the Young Bucks. I text Matt on and off, but business is business. He goes on to add, I know Cody was out there in the media saying that there was an offer was made. An offer was not made. Calling me up or texting me saying, hey, if you want to come to the show or do something, we love that is not an offer. That's not an offer. Hmm. It'd be crazy if he ended up in their promotion. CM Punk's return to their promotion on TV with Chris Jericho and the whole Young Bucks on a primetime channel. Like, baby, a storm's a brewing, and I feel like we've got WCW all over again, but we've got it in a way now where it's not going to be stupidly done. You've got a lot of smart people. I know that uh, Jim Ross wants to be a part of this promotion. If it really does take shape, he wants to lend a hand in making it something special, and that's... That's an acquisition that's very important in all of this as well because he can spot real talent and you're going to be able to pull guys from all over that you know the 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 elite guys would work uh, to make it easier and better for all indie guys coming in to to get a piece of the pie and to make some more money because they are they they are also those guys and they know what that grind is like. So to me, I think it would be really interesting to see if they like let everybody have their own kind of like rolling schedule. Go work wherever the fuck you want. Come back. Do a storyline with us for a couple months. Go away. We don't care. We don't need you all the time. We can have you. We don't need to have you. Back and forth, however it goes. Uh, it, I, you know, all all elite wrestling, if that really does happen, could be 
genuinely gigantic. I cannot say it enough. So David Arquette almost died. In a recent interview with Sports Illustrated, David Arquette spoke in detail about his infamous death match against Nick Gage and the night in the hospital that followed, whether or not the WWE is in his future. Here are some highlights from his interview. His friend and actor, Luke Perry, was one who checked out his neck after it got cut in his death match. I'm thinking I just got cut in my neck, and if it's my jugular, I'm going to die. Pretty quickly after that, I exited the ring and had someone look at it. Luke is a dear friend of mine, and his son, who's a fantastic wrestler named Jungle Boy, was wrestling on the same show. We've been friends for over 30 years, so Luke is the one who went over, who I went over to see to look inside the wound. He looked and said no, so I knew I didn't cut a main artery or vein. I could feel something was wrong with my neck, but I wanted to finish the match and tell a complete story. <clears throat> Okay, so what happened at the end of the death match and going to the hospital afterwards? It went off the rails a little. I was pretty pissed. I was at fault for it. Uh, once I got cut, some things happened in the ring and I reacted. I We were both at fault for the neck cut, but me defending myself is how it actually happened. I was in the hospital and had to have surgery to sew up my muscle and clean up my wound. It is what it is. I have no hard feelings with Nick Gage and I hope he doesn't have any with me. If WWE has contacted him about a Royal Rumble appearance, he says, I haven't gotten any calls, so I don't know about any of that, but I love going to their shows. Arquette also discussed why he decided to do the death match in the first place in the article, which you guys could check out. Uh, just go check it out. Um, pretty easy to find on the interwebs here. Uh, he also had to return to the hospital to get, like he said, this stuff fixed in his neck. Ugh, Gross. I guess we're going to close here on this one. This is some pretty fucked up shit here, folks. I, uh, man, there's some weird, like, this is some weird wrestling news I didn't know I'd be covering on my show, but I have to talk about it because it's very crazy to me. Puerto Rican wrestler El Suervo de Puerto Rico was released from the hospital on Wednesday after being hospitalized from getting hit in the head with a concrete block. During a wrestling match in Mexico back on November 19th, the infamous match took place between uh, Suervo and Angel O. Demonio at the Lucha Libre Boom Lucha Meme show outside of Mexico City and ended when Domino, I think that's what they meant to type up there, but they put Angel O. Demono. So Angelo Domino picked up a concrete block inside the ring and tossed it outside of the ring at Suervo, hitting him in the back of the head. The impact immediately knocked him out, broke his nose, and caused him to lose several teeth. Uh, a day later, Pro Wrestling Sheet reported that Suervo had to undergo surgery to get a blood clot removed from his brain after being rushed to the hospital. The surgery was reportedly a complete success. In a video shared to Facebook, he was seen in photos leaving the hospital with... Oh, in a post shared to Facebook, he was seen... Uh, in photos, leaving the hospital with his manager, Victor Arroyo. The right side of his face was blurred out in the images. God thank you, the post read. El Suervo de Puerto Rico was discharged from the hospital. Uh, in the image, we can see it accompanied by his manager, uh, Victor Arroyo, and part of Associates Promoter of Mexico, PALL. Thank you all for your prayers and good vibes. The Boxing Wrestling Commission of Mexico swiftly suspended Demonio. They typed it differently again, indefinitely from wrestling in the country. The promoter of the show, Hector Guzman Herrera and Juan Morales Mia, are also potentially facing punishment from the commission as extreme rules matches, which the spout was promoted as, are prohibited in Mexico. Num numerous wrestlers have spoke out on this on social media. 
none more than the WWE's own Kurt Angle, who said, Give me 10 seconds with that stupid motherfucker that threw the brick. Shouldn't be anywhere near the business. Man. Whew. Uh, many are inclined to agree with him. The prof- the commission suspended him indefinitely. They, they, they said this. Promoters, by this means I will address you. Based on the events Monday, November 19th of the current year in the Arena Lopez Matios, where the semifinal match... Angel Odemanio commits an excessive act of aggression against the wrestler El Suervo de Puerto Rico, which caused serious injury and in accordance with the regulation of the Professional Boxing Wrestling Commission of the State of Mexico, takes the following actions. First, the wrestler Angel Hector Perez is suspended indefinitely from the state's territories in solidarity and reciprocity asks the other commissions throughout the country to do the same. Second, guarantees an audience to the CC Hector Guzman Herrera and Juan Morales Maya promoter and organizer of the event dated November 19th respectively in order to explain why an extreme rules match or an anything goes match was carried out since based on the permission granted for said function marked with the numeral 123 CBLLPEM 2018 where it establishes that the extreme rules match or also known as anything goes is prohibited entirely in state territory without another particular I am at your order sincerely Attorney at Law, Executive Secretary of the Commission of Boxing and Professional Wrestling of the State of Mexico. Holy sheep shit, Batman. That's crazy. And you watch the video. It's really disgusting to watch. He literally just picks up a cinder block and chucks it at the back of this dude's head. Like, what the fuck did you expect was going to happen? And that was, there's no way that was talked about. What if that kills him? What if that fucking literally killed that dude right in the middle of the ring? What would that dude have fucking done? I mean, it would have been terrible for the sport. Even even for the current sport, the indie scene, it would have been terrible. It would have changed the whole landscape yet again. These dangerous motherfuckers, man. Listen, pro wrestling, it's all about creating spots and, and emotion based on what you think is happening. But people don't have to actually get super physically hurt all the time. Do accidents happen? Sure. Is it impossible to fall off a 20-foot ladder without hurting? Yes, it's impossible to fall without getting hurt from a 20-foot ladder. You're going to somehow hurt. I mean, you're falling 20 feet. Jesus. I don't know, folks. It's crazy to me. Anyways, this has been Journey into Wrestling Season 3, Episode 9. You guys can check out the show Journey into Wrestling, which you're listening to right now, on journeyintocomics.com for the Journey into Comics Network, where you get all the different shows. That's Journey into Comics podcast, poor news, poor entertainment, Journey into Wrestling, foodies watching movies, adulting ain't easy, podcastrophe, kids for sale, the voice of survival, Gallif Radio, and Brews with Dudes, as well as the best of the week show. Folks, we've got some new shows coming down the pipe in January. You guys can also check us out on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, as well as Spotify. Just search Journey into Comics Network. Subscribe there. You'll get all of our episodes, all the back catalog. You guys can catch up from the beginning. I'd say start around Journey into Comics 150, 151, and then move forward and check out as the network grew and evolved and all the things we did leading up to where we are now, folks. It's been a great ride so far. We can't wait to keep bringing you guys a bunch of different content. Also, check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash Journey into Comics. Give us a dollar for the early access and exclusive content, meaning you mongrels who are giving us that dollar are going to be getting this on Friday, really, 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 really early a.m., and the rest of the world has to wait until Sunday. So you sexy beasts who are only listening on Sunday, you guys could be getting this a whole couple days early just by giving us $1 a month. 
I'm sure you have a dollar and change in your car. Just send it my way for the network's purposes. We're going to repurpose that to do a bunch of cool stuff. we got a bunch of cool things on the horizon for you folks. I want to thank you guys so much for listening to Journey into Wrestling Season 3, Episode 9, Minus Envy. I have been your host, Nate. This has been Journey into Wrestling.